Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Do you dream of being CEO of your own empire? Running your own company? Achieving your life's goals? Yet wake up in a cold sweat? Next to last night's takeout leftovers and a pile of bus ticket stubs? You are not alone. Like many others, you are suffering from a classic case of caviar dreams, tuna fish budget. I'm Margaret Josephs. And I'm Lexi Barbuto. And every week, we'll be talking to influencers, trailblazers, disruptors, and risk takers who'll share their own journey to caviar dreams on a tuna fish budget. Side effects may include increased motivation, boundless happiness, and a fast track to success. Hello, caviar dreamers. Hi, caviar dreamers. I am so excited because it's the beginning of the year. What a way to start the year. This is the ultimate way to start the year. We have a guest that we've known for a long time through yes, the business. Exactly. Is one of the most powerful and influential men, in my opinion, in starting companies because it's true. He has worked for Oprah for 21 years. I mean, that's like a marriage, 21 years. And was the gatekeeper of O's favorite things, the O list. He's That means he's launched businesses. I mean, the gatekeeper of the O list. That's a big deal. Adam Glassman. He is incredible. I'm, when you were on the O list, it made a huge difference to the Macbeth collection. Not just once, but twice. That's I've been on the right. O list twice, just so you know. And no, more than twice. Because the flip-flops were on, too. Yeah, I know. I know. I think we've been on three times. Oh, three-time O-list winner. I mean, it really, when you're on the O-list, you don't know how that changes your business and the trajectory of your business. I mean, that means like you made it. It's a big deal. And it's really changed so many people's businesses. And Adam Glassman has headed up that. But now he is the head of the yep, Oprah the Daily. Oprah Daily, yeah, which is the newest venture under the O brands. He's yes. the creative director. And um, I think also something that really strikes me about Adam, he was like a pioneer of engagement with readers before we were in this social media digital age. Because like we said, he's been with Oprah since 2000. And he fielded questions from viewers. He connected it's uh, with the, like the readers. Um he used real women in photo shoots. And it's amazing that through the trajectory of his career while he stayed with Oprah, he's spearheaded all the different ventures that they've had. And now he's at O Daily, like yeah. the newest venture. Yes, and I just want you guys to see him also. I know everyone listens to his podcast, but go on YouTube because he has amazing hair. And I'm happy <laughs> to call does. him my friend. So here he is, Adam Glassman. And hi, Adam. Hi. Oh my God. It's been forever. It's been forever. So nice to see you. Thank you for coming on. Of course. And and congratulations on this. Oh, thank you. I love the little post-it notes. 
Oh, I always do that when I read it. I want to save things. But I think like your little life lessons are really good reminders to everyone. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. First of all, you look so young. You don't even age. I have good lighting. We all have good lighting. I know. My lights aren't so great. I had to close all the doors because someone's wallpapering my ceiling in the dining room and they're a little loud right now. Uh, (laughs) I said, first of all, I just said, I go, and he has great hair. I, I said, true. and most people, everybody listens to this. It just, a lot of people don't watch, but we keep it on YouTube. I was like, I want everyone to watch because he still has amazing hair. <laughs> oh, yeah. knock, on, knock on wood, I still have him. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming on. We were just telling everybody that, I mean, listen, you've been at over 21 years and your career is unbelievable and you're a pioneer in so many areas. Yeah. And now you're the creative director of Oprah Daily, which is the Oprah Brands, correct? It is the Oprah Brands. It's the umbrella for everything right now. Everything is housed under Oprah Daily. So we have the magazine, which is a quarterly and called O Quarterly. We have the site, and then it houses all things Oprah. All things Oprah, and then some, actually. Which is so impressive. But I just, I mean, I want to talk everything about your career, but Lexi was really, I think she really called it. You were just such a pioneer of engaging with people and the readers way before social media was there and people could talk to everybody because you would talk to your readers. You used, you were the first person who used real women as models, not supermodels. We did. We did. But, you know, this is the thing, you know, it it all stems from Oprah, who is our North Star. She had an audience full of real women who came from all over the country to watch her show and be in the audience. And she fed off that and she really understood what the American woman wanted really right before they even knew it themselves because of that live interaction and that energy that was in the audience. So if people were wearing a certain thing or they were interested in whatever they were talking about, she knew something was in the zeitgeist. So the magazine followed suit. We did the same thing. And then there was the O-List. Which then there I, was the O-List. It still is the O-List. And it's still the still O-List. Listen, yeah. I want to say, I told her, I was on the O-List three times. Thank you, Adam Glassman, right. which made me very uh-huh. happy. I met you at the uh, New York gift show and the Atlanta gift shows. That's really I know. Nice. I, know. I, I, I was like, where'd she go? Like you are like <laughs> someone that I could always, we could always count on running into and having a good time with at the gift shows. And then you stopped showing there and I'm still going there. I'm still, I'm still oh, the that shows up at all these gift shows. I know. Which I love actually. It, it I is. love them. I know. So I miss those days. I do. So those much. were the good times, truthfully. Those those days I miss. I used to yeah. love doing the trade shows. Somehow they I were very it. fun. I mean, I actually I read in your book. I didn't even realize this. Like, and I and it's like you would bribe people to like get more lighting <laughs> instead of paying for the lighting. You know, like you had you got people to sort of schlep all this stuff for you because it is really hard work. What people don't realize is like is. the setup and the breakdown of a gift show is is very hard all people see is like your lovely booth and your great stuff but like when the lights go off like you have to schlep all that stuff back to a warehouse or your house or wherever it goes it's really tough it is it's you know it's the behind the scenes of everything that goes into all of that creativity and 
I used to, oh my God, I was like, thank God Lexi was adorable. And my boobs used to be perky. That's what I had said. Well, they probably still are, but no, you also. surgery. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, okay, you know okay. what, I, I'm, I'm all for that. But like, you were always the face of your brand and reflective of your brand. But it was so interesting because the brand was so preppy. And I think yes. that's what drew us to it originally. And you were so innovative with doing these sort of preppy colors and preppy patterns on everyday objects, quite frankly, that you never thought you needed before. But you were sort of like, not the preppiest dresser. No, no, it's true. So it was, I, that's what I was sort of drawn to it. Like you weren't like a very like muffy preppy lady. No, that people no. Were expected. Yeah, you're right. You know that's what the funny thing is because I'm drawn to preppy socialite style in the home and objects, but the way I look is not that. You're right. I'm more like rock and roll bombshell yeah. girlfriend in my head but I'm drawn to preppy style. And that's what I'm attracted to. Even in bed, like I like, my husband looks like a motorcycle rider, but I dressed him preppy. It's funny. Right. Yeah. No, I was the same way. Like I grew up, like I grew up as like a Jew in Westchester yes. and we were in a very preppy town, but like it, we were like one of the first pioneering Jewish families in this town. And so I'm drawn to it, but it's not really part of my culture, which is so fascinating. Yes, I know, I know, I, I, I don't know. I guess like, that's what it is. I love the opposites, I love the mix. But Adam, how did you become so fabulous? Was it about growing up in a preppy Westchester town? Like, how did you start this career? What, like, because, I mean, it is very, very impressive. It, well, it, thank you, it, it's impressive, but I never even look at it that way. Truthfully, it's because, it's because I love what I do and I've always, wanted to be in this business you know when i applied to college i remember writing in my essays that i wanted to have a magazine a nightclub and a restaurant and because i grew up and i grew up in the 80s when restaurants were sort of the nightclubs and i was sneaking off to like studio 54 and xenon and all this stuff as a high as a high schooler i was like this is really what i want to do and I loved magazines. I mean, I still to this day have saved every issue of Vogue from the 80s and Interview Magazine and all of that. And, but I went to college and I didn't, you know, back then you didn't really know what the hell you wanted to be unless you, you thought you were going to be a lawyer or a doctor, I suppose. And I was a Spanish major. Meanwhile, I never spoke Spanish, so I didn't know how to <laughs> I don't know why I decided I was a Spanish major, but I quickly changed. And, and I decided magazines were my thing and photography was my thing, but I applied to law school and I thought, oh, I'm gonna go to law school because my father is a lawyer and, and I wanna be Joan Collins' lawyer. And my father was <laughs> like, uh, entertainment law, you're just doing contracts, trust me, you're not gonna be hanging out with Joan Collins. We go, no, that's what lawyers do. And, I'm like, and he's like, I am a lawyer, I know you, please do not go to law school, which is very interesting. And it was sort of fabulous. He goes, go off and do what you want to do, which was I was much more interested in fashion and style. And it got me sort of off the hook of becoming a lawyer because part of me felt like, oh my, I should just follow in the footsteps of my father. But it's not really who I was. So I was allowed, and I think I thank my parents for this, to allow me to just explore and do what I wanted to do. So... And, and I love it. I love it, really. 
thought that your parents told you to just go be who you really are. And I think that's what's so important. They let you be your authentic self at, you know? Yeah, from a very early age. But you know, those were also the days when you went off to college at 17 and you didn't return home. You know, like now it's slightly different. Like I went to college, I worked through college. And then when I graduated college, I was making my own money. You know, it just, that was sort of what I thought you were supposed to do. And it's different now. People go off to college, they come home after college. I've had these parents. <laughs> they don't leave. Yeah. I get yeah. it. It's true. It is so different. And I and I think that's what it is. And we were we were given the opportunity to try different things and it wasn't as hard. It just I think it just wasn't as hard and there was more freedom. Yes. There was definitely more freedom. It wasn't as hard. People weren't as overly protective. And people were not, and maybe it's also the nature of being younger. We were less scared. When you're younger, you're fearless. You're more fearless. So you just take risks and you try things. You don't even realize the risk. You're just doing things. You know, when you when we get to another stage in our life, which we all have entered, you start questioning, should I do this, shouldn't I? But when I was in my twenties, you were in your twenties, did you question anything? Not really. No, no, no. And I think, you know, thankfully, I don't want to say anything. It wasn't documented. We yeah. didn't put everything on social media. <laughs> so everything's not really coming back to haunt you or I, right? I know, I know, it's true. It's, it must be very hard to live in under that microscope now that, you, now that you're a TV star too. Yes. It must be very hard. I yes. mean, I, I just even like for 21 years I've been with Oprah, we watched the whole thing of like, okay, here's a camera and someone takes a picture with a real camera. Then the rise of camera phones, everyone's running after you wanting to take a selfie. Or even if it's not a selfie, they're like shooting you from the distance, getting in and out of your car. Like you got no privacy anymore as a, as a well-known person. You yeah, just don't. I know, as a, as a public figure and it's hard yeah. for anything else. But how have you, you've kept it fresh, you've evolved you've kept changing, you know, with, with mm-hmm. the times and, and you've kept it fresh with Oprah, which isn't easy because a lot of things become stale mm-hmm. and go yeah. away, but you've managed to just keep it going and move it forward. I think first of all, you always have to keep your eyes open. You always have to see what is going on literally and figuratively. And you have to be staying, you have to stay curious. I think that's sort of the key, you know, I, I love to shop stores. I don't mean I love to go in and shop and walk out with shopping bags. I just love to see what's in stores and what's there. I love to go to museums. I love to go to galleries and just stay on top of like what is new and what's trending. You know, I guess that's my thing. I've always been a know-it-all, so I like to know what's, <laughs> trending, what's trending or what's about to trend. You know, like what is going to be the next big thing. So I think part, a lot of it is that actually, a lot of it is that. And the other part of it for me is always our readers slash customers because we've always been a multi-generational brand. So we speak to women in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and, and then some obviously. So it, because we're speaking to three generations of women, you have to also learn to cater your content that, you know, what might be appropriate for you or your mother may not be the same 
uh, kind of information a 25 year old wants. So you have to figure out how to thread the needle between these generations and, and be interested in that. And that's my interest. Now, as you know, Instagram has come about and social media has come about and it's launched so many brains into the, mm -hmm. uh, the retail marketplace. How have you found that? Because years ago, like you said, like shopping the gift shows, you find these little brands, these cottage industries, and then you would propel them to success by giving them a placement. Now there's so much noise. Is it harder or easier? It is, I don't think it's harder, nor do I think it's easier. I just think there are more options than there ever have before because the regular route of like, you go to a trade show and they show you merchandise to a retailer and it appears in the store X amount of months later, then it, then people go to a store and buy it. it. That's very different now because as you say, with Instagram, they have people who have direct to consumer brands and they're just directly, they're sending it to you to your living room the next day. I, because I'm a, a hunter and gatherer by nature, and I like to look under every rock and stone and you just never know where you're going to find a diamond or rough or, or a brand that is brand new. I, it just gives me more opportunities and places to find stuff. If that, if that answers the question, like I still go to every cockamamie trade show out there, but I also am finding stuff on Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest and Etsy and people are DMing me directly. Now, a lot of this stuff, as we know, is sort of, you know, yes. maybe not, it, it, I like to affectionately call it caca, but also, <laughs> but once in a blue moon, there's really a germ of a great idea. And, you know, that's, you know, Oprah's favorite things is found that way, you know, from everywhere from Instagram to trade shows to, you know, traditional ways of seeing a uh, product. So I just like it because we have more opportunity. It's, it's true. Has I it become overwhelming with people reaching out to you with the, you know, with such accessible DMs? It, well, is it overwhelming? No, I don't really. I, it's just, I think what's harder to figure out is there used to be a professional way to work with people. It started off with a phone call. Then it moved into emails, obviously, and some phone calls. And no one ever calls anyone anymore. And it was solely emails. Now it's like, I have to, and I, and I, I don't say this, you know, to be complaining, but like people will hit you up on Facebook. They'll hit you up on a DM on Instagram. You'll get a LinkedIn, you'll get a text. And I actually have to tell people, let's just, you know, funnel it all through email. Here's my work email. It's just a lot easier. Sure, it's fine on a Saturday if I happen to see a DM, but like, I'm not really operating my business that way. You know, I like it still to be an email. So, but you just have to sort of juggle it all because we have kids in the office now and I say kids, you know, young 20 somethings and they don't operate the way I do or did. So, and, and even in, to be honest, there are some vendors that we try to get hold of. They don't even respond with an email. We have to DM them and then they'll respond. And I'm thinking, you're a business. You don't even operate in a professional business manner, but this is their professional business manner right now in 2021. So you got to get with the program, I guess, to make a long uh, uh, answer. 
No, I, by the way, I feel the same way because so many people DM me and I still have, I'm, you know, I've transitioned into licensing and yeah. people like DM me. I'm like, could you please email? And then I give Lexi's email, you know, email us. And people are like still DMing. I'm like, dude, I said, please email us because I still have a business. I'm just like, I want to operate like a business. And it's also very foreign to me to operate that way. Yeah. You know, and, it, and it's harder for me to do that. It's, it's so hard because if you have a team tracking what's going on in your business, random DMs are so hard to manage. There's no CC situation. Like there's no paper trail. I mean, I'm still. It's hard to then forward it. Like I'll like want to forward it to my team, so I have to screen grab this. <laughs> I then I have to text it. I mean, the, you know. I know it's very it's very difficult. Looking back on your life, is there any advice you would give to your younger self? That question, I always dread being. I'm sorry. No, I watched these shows where people write these lovely letters to their younger self. You don't have to write. I'm like, I hope no one ever asked me this. And here now, ladies, I always ask everybody who comes on here, just because this is, you know, this is inspiring to young entrepreneurs. No, I. This is what I would say to my younger self, And, and it's what I said earlier on this program. It's like really just be true to yourself and do whatever you want to do with integrity with a uh with passion and with a sense of compassion for other people and fortunately i was raised like that so i learned that and i did it a lot was i a little selfish as a child am i still a little selfish yes can i learn from that and should i probably try to break the habit yes and i am very conscious of it um but I wish when I was younger, I probably wished I had learned to be less selfish. How's that? Oh, that's yeah. great. I think that's amazing. Are you an only child? I'm not. I have two, I have two younger brothers. They're twins, so they're the same age as each other, obviously. Yes, yes, um, yes. No, so I'm the oldest child. But I think because I was probably the most independent in my family, I you know, sometimes I probably ignored people and I wasn't as much of a member of the family as I probably could have been, if that I, makes sense. No, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I get yeah. it. I, I totally understand. Well, that that's great advice. I think sometimes some people need to be slightly more selfish. Too, yes, and I don't think that's don't, a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I know it's one of those kind of words that people feel icky about because they think it's like a negative term. But if you cannot take care of yourself and you cannot fill your own picture to the top, you will be of no use to anyone else. Exactly. So if you're a mom and you feel half and of yourself and not a complete person, it will show in how you raise your children. So mm-hmm. you really have, and that's just one example. We could, we could go into oh, all sorts so of great. interpersonal relationships. So I don't think it's a bad thing to be selfish, but you also have to be selfless at the same time. And there are varying degrees of selfishness. Some people are just bitter, nasty people, and that's yeah. the bad part of selfish. But if you want to take care of yourself before you help someone else, that you need to do. Otherwise, you're going to be depleted. It's, it's you're, so you're right. You can't be good for anybody else. I always say that. I've, I've had some backlash where people are like, oh, you work. You didn't say, well, kids. If I couldn't be 
good and fulfill myself. I'd be a crappy mother. I'd be a crappy right. wife. And, and I couldn't be good for anybody else. So I never feel guilty about those yeah, things because so many people have that mom guilt or this guilt or if they're doing something for themselves. And it it's ridiculous. And I that's the mm -hmm. advice I always give also because you have to be. You have to be the best version of yourself. If you don't take care of yourself, forget it. No one wants a martyr either. No, and no one wants a martyr. I hate, I, I'm, I hate I a martyr. I loathe it. I loathe it if I even like think I'm sounding like a martyr and I just, it's just a, something in myself that I cannot deal with. I hate making excuses for things. It's just none of that works for me. It doesn't work for me. No, either me. So we ask everybody who comes on. Um, I always say I'm 50% determined, 50% delusional. Cause if I didn't believe my own hype, <laughs> no, no one else will. What are your percentages? I, I think, I think originally I had, at least 50% um, uh, balls. Uh -huh. Yes, yes. I, I definitely, when I was much younger, I did not even think twice about asking for salaries that I thought I was, I was worth or whatever. So I think a lot of it was just, I had nerves of steel and, and balls. And the other 50% is I work my, tushy off. Sorry, I'm, I was about to curse. And it's I, okay, I, it's okay. But, you know, I have a very, very high work ethic. And it's something I instilled upon myself. And I work 24-7. And still to this day. Now, did things sacrifice because of it? Yeah. I didn't really know who I was. I didn't really have a lot of fun all the time. And I think it's really important that people have fun. Not all the time, but you need to remind yourself to have fun. But I was a workaholic. So, and because of that, I think is a lot of the reason why I, I had success in this business. So, the other question. Yes. How soon into like your journey at Oprah? Because I'm sure a lot of people don't want to know this. Did you get to meet Oprah? Was she like, you know, was it like an initial concept? Like, how did you <laughs> I always love a I always love a question like that, Lexi, because uh, how soon into it? Uh, she interviewed me for the role. <laughs> I started that early. And the truth is, you know, she is the O of O, but it's not a, like a licensed deal where she's not involved. She is involved as much as everyone else that puts any effort into this magazine because her face is on the cover and it is her, her mission in life to, have, to create a manual for women and men to live their best lives. So she's very involved. So since before day one, I mean, literally I went in for a meeting, not knowing why I was in that meeting. And by the end of it, she's like, when can you start? And I'm like, start what? Oh, a job here. I'm like, oh, that was an interview. Like, it was, <laughs> I love to hear that because yes. I think people, you know, a lot of our listeners probably, you know, Oprah is on such a pedestal to so many for her success in so many different ways that to hear she's so involved, I mean, it makes sense to run a successful business. For you have to, however high at the top you are, have to have like, you know, real feet on the ground. But I love that because I'm sure some people are like, you must interview with 20 people before you meet, you know, the, the great wizard of Oz. You yeah, know? I know, oh, and it, that it, wasn't it. No, in this case, it wasn't. It was just, we just had a direct dialogue in person. But she's, this is the thing. It could not be the magazine it is if it didn't have her imprint 
all over it all the time or the brand. So she, you know, though at this point, she's not in Chicago anymore. She's in California, but we work on everything. You know, my, my thing that I used to say in the early years of the magazine is like, she chose every picture, every word, every layout, she got involved in everything, which is very true. It was not made up. You know, then we got to a point where like, okay, she knows I know what I'm doing. This one knows what they're doing. That one knows what they're doing. So she, it's not like she has to like go through every image. In the beginning, you sort of did because you needed to understand what her aesthetic was. You needed to understand what, how she wanted to visualize some internal kind of story. Because it's not so easy, you know, like, and I, I always compare to Martha Stewart or we're often compared to Martha Stewart, which is another fabulous brand, but it's really much different because it's about stuff with Martha Stewart. That's or true. You're growing something, something, and then you're turning it into a piece of cotton, and then you're sewing it, and you're making it into something. So visually, you know how to do that. You know, a lot of our stories are so internal, and they're so, or they're spiritual driven, and that's a lot more difficult to figure out how to art and have come to life on um, the pages of a magazine. It's true. And I mean, talk about nailing it. Jesus. Yes. And, and by the way, I just want to say, I still love a magazine and I love to read magazines. Thank you. I love the whole yes. magazines and I save my magazines mm -hmm. and I have my bows upstairs and I've been piled in closets and Right, uh, nothing makes us. And every Oprah I've ever been in, no, and going to the airport. No, it's true. It's like I stockpile them in my, you know, bag weighs a ton, and it drives me crazy when people don't read magazines. I love them. I know there's going to be a return to it, though. I think yeah, they'll be the way the way people buy now, like records, and have you yes, know turntables. Yes. Maybe maybe people will think it as, as a hip and cool thing, a magazine, but. But it's just, you still like to hold it in your hand and flip the page. I do, at least. I do, too. You can't read, I can't read an iPad on the beach. I mean, no. it's nonsense. Well, I also like to give a magazine, like, when I, like, I was reading a great art digest on my way to England, so I left it for my aunt because I know she wouldn't, like, you, it's not the same as forwarding on something. Yeah, you see online. Like, it's I like just, no, I know. And I rip things out. I have it's files just, of have inspiration. We have pictures and files. Yes. Oh my God, people, it's, we got to retrain everybody. That's yeah. what it is. I know, you have to retrain people. It's true. And, you know, we're, you know, like, I, I was talking about people this the other day to people when they're like, we need to do a story, uh, a, we're going to do something on vision boarding. I go, okay but no one buys magazines the way they used to, or they don't have them around the house. How are they going to get these pictures and these words? And there was silence in the room of 25 year olds, mostly. <laughs> like, right. Oh, well, you could go online, you could download a picture, you could download words you like, and then you can print it and cut it out. I'm like, yeah, I guess you could, but like, I, I and I raised my hand, I go, I have so many magazines, I'll bring them in, trust me. It, because there's something about flipping through the page and finding that picture, that aspirational moment or the look that you want to do in your house or whatever, whatever magazine you read. Yeah. That's the fun of it. People, it I is. mean, people just don't know what they're missing. And I feel the exact same way. I find so many of my old files. I'm like, oh my God, I still want to do this. And it's something in my house. And so I'm like, 
20 years ago that I had. Yeah. Oh, I, I know, I know. But I do, you know, like I also have Pinterest and I'm also yes. like finding things and, and screen grabbing and, and making files on my phone. But it's, but I really used to be much more organized where I'd rip it out, I'd put it in a binder and it'd be okay, this is kitchen inspiration. This is guest bathroom inspiration. Yeah, this is that. Us too. That's yeah. so funny. We were exactly the same way. I know. I think we're from that era, you know? I mean, I think we got, we have to do a class on this. We do. A retro, a vintage class. I retro. Know. Isn't that funny? It's considered retro. Oh, yeah. we, we, we are retro at this retro. point. We're, we're yeah. still very youthful. Yes. So we have another question we ask everybody. What was your big boy panty moment? I would say my big girl panty moment. What was your like, you know, think, when did you realize like, oh my God, this is my sink or swim moment. I'm sure you had a ton, but what, what sticks out in your head? Oh my, hmm. I'm, I'm, I, I don't have anything that sticks out of my mind, really. I don't, I've been very blessed. I'm just, I'm just trying to think, you know, like uh, I think, yeah, my big boy panty moment. It's funny. I use that expression. <laughs> Oprah uses that expression all the I know, time. I, I have never realized use that expression. I guess, you know, probably when I have negotiated for myself, which is a very hard thing to do. Mm -hmm. And I had to really fight for something. That is probably the most big boy moment. And I know people, your listeners are probably like, well, you're a guy, so you don't have to do that. You know what? It's not always the case. It's still hard to tell people what your worth is and how to equate it to whether it is uh, equity or actual finances and stuff. I, do, I don't find it easy to do for myself. I don't. I think when it, when it comes to that, that's probably when I've had to really like figure it out. I feel like that's something that they should teach. I feel like they teach algebra and they teach all these things as well. They don't teach how to advocate and negotiate for yourself. And, and I think that's something that people could really benefit from learning. It's, I agree. I agree. And, 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 you know, I know, I know. We all have heard a lot of women really don't learn it because of however, whether it's upbringing or whatever. But you know what? There's also a lot of men out there that really don't know it, especially, you know, I'm in a creative field. So it's not like, you know, I, it's not like I went on to, into Wall Street. Sure, if I was a banker, maybe I would know it better. But for a creative, it's really hard. Absolutely. No, it's true. So we have another question that we always ask. <laughs> I know. Uh, I was like, oh my God, I, I wish I had these ahead of time. I'd come right up with no, like, no, that's what this The real answer. So we always say that we're entrepreneur real. Um, you know, we, Margaret built her business on instinct, um, you know, going from gut instinct. So what would be your most entrepreneur real advice? And that's the last question <laughs> I will say this. I, I think you do have to go with a gut instinct, but I think you also have to go with some kind of focus group and you have to ask around and you need honest friends or colleagues to say to you, this works or this does not, especially for small businesses. I deal with so many small businesses and some, there are germs of ideas that are wonderful, but the execution is terrible. Some, they have great execution. It looks good, but why did you invent this? Who wants to buy it? And then there are some that, you know, the sun, the moon, the stars are all aligned 
and the, ding, 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 it works really well. It looks good and it's what you want it. And I often feel, you know, like when I first met Margaret and all of you, like you knew right then, like they were onto something that was great that you hadn't seen saturated everywhere else. You know, I didn't know all this other stuff about you until I read your book of finances and all this, but you figured it out. But some people, I, I feel sort of bad because I'm like, please don't sink your life savings into this because this is not an idea that really has legs. So uh, I don't know if that answers your question, yeah, but like, you really need honest people around. And just because you like it doesn't mean everyone else like will want it, truthfully. And, and people are not good at taking advice or they don't want to hear feedback. I guess that's the word feedback. I think you have to be open to feedback at all times. I can only imagine how many people send you their business ideas because I know just from how many people reach out to Margaret with their ideas and the same it's the same. It's like everyone wants either Margaret's advice or everyone thinks when Oprah sees something, she's going to say this is the next greatest thing, her favorite thing, and they're gonna become gazillionaires. You know, it doesn't work that easy. No. It doesn't. There's no overnight success. That's what I always no. tell everybody. There's really no overnight success. Even if it looks like it's overnight to the outside world, it really isn't for that person. It's true. Yeah. The other thing I was going to say, I, it's amazing that people don't Google things and that it's been done before. Yeah. I have so many people send me things. Well, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you get that? They're like, I have this. I'm like, hey, that's been on the market already. For like, really? Anybody not Google? I mean, and really, we're really lucky now because you have Google. What it, We were doing it before there was a such thing exactly, as Google. Exactly, exactly. So I just don't understand that people don't Google. They don't do their market research. They, they don't, don't do their homework. I, you yeah. have to do your homework. I know. I mean, without sounding like that, I mean, guess because that's something, again, as a child, I always did my homework before I did anything else. Literally my homework. And I just feel like you always have to do that. I just don't get it. People, it's a little crazy. Well, it is. Adam, I am just so thrilled that you came on here and that everybody could hear your I'm so happy to reconnect, honestly. Me and, too. And I'm, and I'm proud of you and all your success because I could say, actually, um, I knew you back then. Yeah. Well, I'm grateful to you that you really, you really did help kickstart me and I'm grateful. So thank you. And that is so nice. Yeah, everyone could find me on Instagram at The Real Adam Says and on Twitter at The Real Adam Says. Perfect. We'll see you soon. Bye, Adam. I am obsessed. Um, Now I know I love him so much. Isn't it so nice to reconnect? Reconnect, and then I know we're the same, and nothing's changed, and we haven't been together. And he's just so smart. And we're not the only old retro people in the world. No, no, no. Rip out magazines. We rip out magazines. Trade shows. And that (gasps) Oprah interviewed him directly. I love that. I feel like that's the million dollar question when it comes to like someone who's a creative director of such a big brand like just how accessible are people because that's what it is you feel like Oprah is like the Wizard of Oz like you have to Mm -hmm. take a yellow brick road to actually get to meet the Grand Wizard but she that's that's the success of her brand she really connected with her audience it came from the live studio audience and they were able to keep that momentum through print through press through all the different, um, you know, things under the Oprah umbrella, they kept that connection, that direct line to Oprah. I love that. I mean, you know, I'm like, uh, you're a little Oprah. 
Oh that's, that's right. <laughs> only kidding. Only no, kidding. but you too are also very accessible. I'm very accessible. But no one shows up too, on the front door. Sometimes too accessible. And too accessible. No, but also he had such great advice. Yeah. And if you're starting a business, focus group, that's so smart. Sometimes you don't want to hear the negative feedback, but friends, if your friends are starting a group, be honest with them. I mean, not a group, a business. Be honest with your friends. Um, no smoke blowers. People yes. are investing money. So just always be honest with your friends. And yes. if you're and if you're the business starter, just take honest feedback. Don't get offended. And I just love everything you had to say. Yeah, I think you can't just give great advice with an, with an idea. Like if you're too precious with an idea, and you know, I think that's a, a thing that a lot of people worry about. Like hold the idea so tight, don't tell anyone because you don't want someone to steal it. No, you no, should you need tell to people. share because you need, you need a sounding to board. You need sounding boards, and I just think. All of his stories are so interesting, so smart, so charming, so engaging. I hope you just love this episode as much as I do. And everybody buy magazines again because magazines are something you should have. I don't want to hear about wasting paper because it's not true. You keep them, you archive them, you come back to them. You share I them. I do, and you share them. And then people recycle them. That's so true. it all comes back around. So everybody, I hope you loved our New Year edition. I love it. Thank you, Caviar Dreamers. Yes, start dreaming for the new year. We Dream for the new, new year. episodes coming. Uh, two episodes a month, every other one. Two Wednesday. magnificent episodes a month. That's right. And um, we can be found at Caviar Dreams Tuna Fish Budget everywhere. So that's wherever I find your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, podcasts are everywhere now. On Instagram, on um, YouTube, we are everywhere you want to find us. Yes. Talk to you soon, Caviar Dreamers. Keep dreaming. Keep dreaming.